You just heard Eternal Nightmare from Eternal Nightmare from Violence. From this is our thrash extravaganza. Number two, Violence Eternal Nightmare. Boom. I'm Mark and I'm Jason. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're uh, we're playing with new AI technology right now. It's kind of fun. You have a, a noise canceling kind of program it learns thingy. It learns what to, not to what to take out. Yeah. So yeah. we can we can have laundry near us being done Hopefully in our proximity. Yeah. Remember, I remember there were times when we were recording uh, one of your Hamtramck settings, and like I think there was like a time we had the window open. There was like a gunshot or something. It was, Probably it was very metal. It was, it was very cool. Yeah, it's kind of a, think. a cool landscape. Yeah, I listened to some podcasts that are like filmed or uh, recorded in like New York City, and you can like hear ambulances and other oh, you kind can of definitely crazy hear stuff for that kind of shit. The street of mine now is fairly quiet, but yeah, I'd say it's way um, better there. I think it's my fourth place that i've lived there but in hamtramck yeah when i was living on above that main drag that was probably the most like raucous that was i think yeah that might have been where we recorded i remember it during the alice and chains episode and you were definitely living there okay. yeah because uh because grand corcoon was there that was like the last episode he was ever on was he was sitting in with us when we did the alice and chains yeah, i don't even remember recording anything there. i mean that was like 2013 or something like that 20 it was yeah, a it was long time ago yeah sure. it was a while back so, yeah, so this is our second one. This will be a little shorter than Dark Angel because we're only focusing on one record, and it is a record that, Mark, you're pretty excited about this. This is uh, a yeah. – tell us your journey with this because this is one, like, I turned you on to, and then you, you like, loved it even more than, than I did. But I think I was like, dude, you sh- have you checked this out? And I think you had some preconceived notions about the band. I heard like, them before. Okay. And I hated them. Okay. I thought the vocals are stupid. They're They're different. Uh, we'll I probably heard it early nineties okay. because I was going after stuff. It was in the import section at Ripka cover. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the name was kind of stupid too. The dash is unfortunate, but the, uh, the cover was great. I mean, it's basically, it reminded me like a dream warriors, you know, nightmare on Elm street kind of thing. Like this dude falling within mouths, within mouths. Yeah. <laughs> With sharp teeth. It's the shit. eternal nightmare. Yeah, indeed. So that was like the, the initial thing. I was just like, Oh, this is stupid. Uh, I was way more interested in usually, you know, the typical story. More interested in European, yeah, death, death battle, something and stuff like that. Seemed kind of dumb, but going back, this seems to be like maybe the last great thrash record in my mind. Well, seasons are rest in peace. They're like that's legacy stuff, but like something like that because that they that was, that was like their career. Those bands made. So you're saying the last like innovative out the gate late comer to thrash yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So not the late last great thrash record, yeah. but it summed up everything I love in thrash. There's way more like New York. In yeah, this yeah. Than there is in all the other uh, West coast bands that I can think of. Yeah. The gang think- vocals and um, bass playing. Mm-hmm. A lot of it. Seems, a lot of DD Verney type. Yeah. Overkill type. Bass playing. Overkill. There's a lot of anthrax in this too. Yeah. Um, like the, as far as the really like kind of dan, 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 that kind of more, percussive guitar yeah it's like almost like if you like mixed anthrax and like the aggression of like exodus bonded by blood yeah. together yeah. it's like a, a weird east coast west coast kind of meeting of the minds almost i, I kind of wish anthrax had more of i actually like this more than anthrax okay there's I can not see it. like i like among the living a lot but there's a lot of fat on it mm-hmm. there's no like anthrax record that's perfect to me like yes. there's a megadeth record that's perfect there's metallica records that are perfect I yeah, Among like, the Living is probably about the closest. Yeah. Um, 
The first one with Neil Turpin's actually pretty fucking good. If you, I haven't given that much. I think you would like it now in hindsight. I probably would. Um, Persistence is okay, but there's not enough. You were a big persistence guy when you were young. Because I yeah. remember when we recorded the Anthrax show, you said that that had been your favorite. That had been. Growing then, up and stuff. Now, like, Among the Livings, it's got the best. Yeah. And I'm really. probably so crazy that I might even say Sound of White Noise for me. But that's because, but that's not a thrash record. Does think, that make sense? Yeah. It's a record record. I think Sound of White Noise is the best reinvention of a band that's ever been. It's pretty up there. I don't know. It'd be tough for me to say best because I'm sure there's probably some weird example we can't, like, we're forgetting. Well, it, like heavy metal. Yeah. Like that kind of transcended into something without being derivative. Because I was like, yeah. grunge. They did something pretty fucking different. I would say for a band, yes. Yeah. For a singular artist, I still might have to go with Ozzy. Him getting fired from Sabbath with those last two records that kind of people were thought were sort of forgettable, and for him to like reemerge with fucking Blizzard and Diary and Randy, and yeah. that's like kind of like a holy shit. That's like a that's like a trans- it's like a character or- comeback that you're yeah. just like holy shit. Maybe that's the greatest comeback in in metal yeah, history. Yeah, let's say comeback, know? but yeah, I don't think it was a reinvention. You're right because Ozzy's just singing. He's just doing what Ozzy does. Yeah. He just surrounded himself with a different set of musicians, I guess. But so. yeah, like Sabbath did a lot of weird shit, but they never reinvented themselves that drastically. Radically, yeah, or that maybe, maybe Heaven and Hell is a pretty interesting left turn yeah. for a band to take. But but this this was like wow. Yeah, yeah, I know. And hey, you're preaching the choir. It I'm barely a, I'm a, sounds like Anthrax, I'm a, but yeah, I was never mad about it. Yeah. And I like, I've come to grow, you know, that was before I knew who Armored Saint were. And they're a band I've come to like love more and more, especially the more I get into like traditional early 80s metal. They've got a documentary come out in 2021. And from what I've been hearing, the new Armored Saint's the best thing they've ever done. Nice. Word, on the, the word on the street. This month too. Word on the street from. Some trusted sources that I've seen on Facebook. Give some of that stuff another listen because I've always liked John Bush's voice. They're but. they're good. That that'd be a fun show to do because it would force me to like look into them more, especially now this documentary's out. Yeah. So maybe when we're done with the Thrash series in uh, twenty twenty one and or the beginning of you know January or something like that, it might be a fun show to do. So yeah, but yeah, I, I, that is a really interesting debate, and I've seen that kind of come up quite a bit, which is. You know, violence and like forbidden are like the two last great thrash bands to show up on the scene mm-hmm. of like the original cycle of thrash. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. There's all kinds of retro thrash and, and stuff that's come out since, but you know, I mean, they had been around for a while. They formed as Death Penalty in like '85, mm-hmm. um, and then they finally switched to Violence. Um, did you know that originally Chuck Billy's brother played bass for yeah, I saw some of that violence stuff. and there stuff like that? There's two different Billy brothers, wasn't there? Did he have two brothers? That was uh, this, in yeah, this was Eddie. So I don't know okay. what the uh, yeah. I think there was another Billy brother as well. And then he left after they appeared on. Uh, there was a compilation called Live at Ruthie's Inn in '86. That's mm-hmm. like the first song that they kind of recorded for that. And Ruthie's Inn was that place that like that was like where everybody went. Yeah, yeah. I, was that East Coast or West Coast? I feel was, like that was, was New York, wasn't it? No, Ruthie's was that in was the Bay that area. was West. There's one. What's there was the a jazz club that was owned by Lemore's? Lemore's was the East Coast. Was that the East Coast one. One the Anthrax okay. and all those bands. Kind have of you seen um, Murder in the Front Row yet? I have not. The documentary. No. That goes into like they interview. They go into Ruthie's. They interview the. It was um a black family that owned it. Oh no shit! Okay. And it was typically like a jazz club. That's always the interesting thing to me about a lot of these like subgenres of like how. When extreme metal came to Michigan, 
they always played in gay clubs because mm-hmm. there's like an off night and like it was another like fringe thing to do. Like Todd's in Detroit, is, it was a gay club that on certain nights was a metal club as well. Yeah. So it's, it's almost it's like all the weirdos so. have to like hang out together almost. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or yeah. the, the, the ostracized people, you know, those are our people in a weird way, the fringe, you know, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah I think Lemoore's is Lemoore's the one that was sort of run by the Zazulas? Was that in Jersey then? It must have been Jersey. I think it was in Jersey. Yeah. That's John and Martha. Is it Martha? Zula? I think. They just put a book out too. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Were they Megaforce? Mm-hmm. Weren't they? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think Lemoore. I don't know. I'm, I'm going back to like Metal Evolution. That's the last time I think I remember them kind of talking okay. about Lemoore's and, and Ruthie's I, Inn and stuff like that. I'd say Murder in the Front Row is probably the best specific genre or subgenre of documentary I've seen lately. Really? Okay. It's very good. Um. It's yeah, because Slave to the Grind was good, but it was lacking in a couple areas, I remember. And they talked too much about AC. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they, they were part of it, but like yeah. it didn't, it seemed like it was, that, that documentary was more shaped on what they were able to get. That's true. Not as, like, this is like, everything's out there, you just have to ask the right people, ask the right questions, yeah. put it together. But it's got everybody that was in the scene. Sure. It's still alive. It's, it's, it's an amazing You have to check that out. I don't yeah. know why I haven't gotten that i usually get a hold of most like i just bought it on like vimeo or something for five bucks and oh, no shit. downloaded it you know? okay yeah i have to check it out for it's sure. well worth it though so after that that's when uh eddie billy leaves and um that's kind of right around the time that sean killian comes on board on vocals and um right around the time right after sean killian comes on board is when they add rob flynn from forbidden evil before they okay. became forbidden and um, he joins uh, Phil Demel on guitar, and now we've now we're off to the races with, mm-hmm. with violence. Um, and basically, what this record is is it's basically a re-recording of a lot of the songs from their first demo, and kind of became the the sort of basis for their their debut. And I guess the original was put out in Mechanic Records, is what I sort of found. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, and I can't remember what my reissue is. Oh, yeah, it says right here. Yeah, it's Mechanic Records. I, I don't know shit about Mechanic Records, but... They put out Dream Theater. Oh, the first one? Voivod. Mechanic Records? No yep. shit. Which Voivods? Probably those, like... Harder Limits. Oh, that came out in... Angel Rat. Holy I think, shit. I think it might have been a... a subsidiary? A subsidiary of, of okay. uh, something else. Huh. Maybe MCA? Yeah, MCA. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense because MC Futurists. It used to be Futurist then uh, as well, which ended up doing like Bride stuff and a lot of. I was going to say yeah, shit. Bride and Anathema were on Futurist at one yeah. point. This was just a sub label, so if they went bankrupt, they wouldn't bankrupt the whole company. Bankrupt the whole company. <laughs> That's smart. Just very yeah, corporate very corporate corporations. No, no smart yeah. things. But I think like you know one of the things that as we mentioned like the lineup and stuff um, before we get to the guitars because man the highlight of this record is is definitely the guitar playing. Is Sean and the vocals? Sean is interesting. That's why I I think we need to talk about yeah. him first. Um, he's, he's got like um, definitely more uh, hardcore punk. He's got a lot of Jello Biafra as far as oh, his voice goes up and down in weird kind sure. of ways. Um, but then a lot of like Anglo New York hardcore kind of vibes to it as well. It, there's not. That's why I I think it's the last one of the last great thrash kind of outings because it got everything right. Mm-hmm. They got the palm mutings on point. Uh, speed is there, but there's lots of hardcore in this too. As far as like the like breakdowns, um, the gang vocals, just phrasing of vocals is has sure. tons of that. Yeah, I mean, I I 
yeah, it's the shouting gang vocals kind of help. You know, it's like the staccato type style that they use there. He sort of does like a rapping thing. He's all over the place. He doesn't follow the music. Yeah, he's, he stuff. has this his own like rhythmic again rapping in the way that like John Tardy kind of raps. Yeah, like there's like a you could a, definitely do the hand. There's like kind thing. of a, a bobbing beat to like what he's sort of doing. Yeah. Or like you know, a serial killer. You know how he's doing that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Charlotte Gray. Yeah. Yeah. I love that shout in that song. It's so it's, good. It's pretty awesome. I had to, I couldn't tell what the fuck it was until I looked lyrics. What did they so. say there? Uh My Silent Grave. My Silent Grave. Okay. Yeah. It just sounds like I'm listening to like an old like late eighties like hardcore record or and that's sick- where you lay. Yeah. My silent grave. Oh, okay. Interesting subject matter throughout the the whole record yeah. too. You know, kill on command about a hitman and just weird stuff. The drug song, take it as you will. You yeah. Know, I always like when like they've that. got an acronym. Yeah, song too. That's always like. Well, that was a famous Anthrax thing, you know, <laughs> "Nice Fucking Life," yeah, and things like that. But I think like the the title track that we just sort of started off with. We've played that before. We we opened a Patreon show on metal artwork when we were talking oh, about yeah. Ed Repka with yeah. that tune. So our patrons have heard us probably talk a little bit about violence. I don't know how deep we kind of got into it there. Um, and that was kind of right around the time you were really starting to get into that record. I think you had it was just only this year picked it up. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I had, for, I had played it for you or told you about it, and then you end up getting on vinyl. And I got it for uh, – you told my ex-wife to get it for me for Christmas. Oh, I kind of helped get it and for you for Christmas. That's I, what it was. Uh, yeah. Like over pandemic, I was building a room in the basement uh, that would later go on to become like a little insulated drum room. And I listened to it just over and over for like four or five hours. Mm-hmm. And I was just – I was surprised like how short it actually was, and I, it never like bothered me at all. Or I never thought like it just felt like refreshing every time I heard it over and over and over. Absolutely, again. and I think there's there's so many things like happening. Like I'm looking at my my little review that I wrote for History Heavy Metal Countdown for this you know title track song. I said that their Bay Area Bay Area thrash metal champions violence may have been latecomers to the scene, but they quickly made up for lost time with their scathing debut. Guitarist Phil Demo and Rob Flynn unleash a cavalcade of aggressive riffs throughout. But the title track is extra special. After a great intro, the nasty speed kicks in at the 40-second mark with no frills before the controversial Sean Killian's vocals rip in. He can't sing, but it do- but he does it fast and with hardcore-esque panache, so it works for the <laughs> approach and grows on you. Shout out to Dean Dell, who we haven't mentioned him yet, his killer bass, which rivals D.D. Verney here. Yeah. It's yeah. up in the mix. It's poppy. I like it's not Not in the... Sense of pop music, but, but it's no, like it kind pops, of pops the way DD does on Overkill records. Yeah. You know, yeah. it like makes itself. It's more of a, a percussive instrument than like how some bass players are more kind of fluid. And I would make an argument too. Speaking of the the beginning of this the song and the beginning of the album, that that like intro riff is one of the best thrash intro riffs ever written. Every song has a great. It's there's so incredible. many great breakdowns. And yeah, it's just that's because I when I when I listened to it over and over and over again, I was like. Shit, what even song is this? So it's like I'd go back to okay, what was the the vocal hook that I really liked? The, the hooks, the, yeah. yeah. The but, song that stands out the most besides this one is the next song we're gonna play. To me, those are the two songs that sound the most um, kind of different from each other. You know, mm-hmm. uh, phobophobia, yeah, because phobophobia has like a lot of weird guitar parts that are kind of stacked up in mm-hmm. a weird way and yeah. weird vocals kind of stuff. But what were you saying? I'm sorry, I cut you off. Oh, I, I would throw a serial killer in that as well. Is that yeah. the one I was? It was. It came down to that. That fucking gang vocal. That gang thing. vocals is, it's like, is I, incredible. God, I love it. It's so yeah. good. 
And I mean, there's so much like the the way that they they there's something dramatic about the way that Phil Demel and Flynn like like build the riffs. There's like a tension between them. Yeah. And like in that opening song, it's just like breakdown after breakdown after breakdown that's sort of going. And there's one at like the two thirty mark that has like incredible bass work. And Sean has like this awesome like vocal moment before like a another huge fucking bass breakdown takes us into like one of the best solos in thrash history. Yeah. I mean, like it's six minutes, but there's a lot going on in six minutes. I mean, we talked about that in our previous episode last week, uh, dark angel, just like how all these riff after riff after riff, this is one of those records. Did you, I didn't really see anything about, um, writing of the record. Did you see any like breakdowns of, I think it's demo. I believe so. I think he was kind of the guy that, that, Seems to get most of the credit. I mean, he's the guy that does the forward here. Just mm-hmm. just from like the savagery of like the guitar playing, you sort of get a sense that it was kind of I don't know, his band. I'm looking for for credits here. Um, I mean, I mean, I, Rob Flynn's certainly capable of writing good songs because you know sure. I like some of the stuff he's done with with Machine Head, and I hate some of the stuff he's done with Machine Head. It's very hit or miss. But, yeah, it's uh, weirdly hit and miss. And when demo comes back. That that record that demo is on the blackening is good. just like fucking riff after riff after yeah. riff, and I heard that before I heard violence, so it mm-hmm. was like it made so much more sense after I went back to Eternal Nightmare why that record like hits like the way it does. Okay, because I don't know, like Machine Head to me, I d- I didn't really know much about Rob Flynn when Machine Head came out. I mean, Machine Machine Head came out as a freshman in high school. Yeah, I knew well when he when that first came out. They're still throwing around violence. As oh, like were they? Rob as as like a relevant kind of thing, or okay. like where he came from. And I might have seen that in Metal Mania, like but I didn't. It, it didn't connect to me because to me, Machine Head was like part of like Pantera and like yeah, it was part of it's like that thing. thing. It was a Roadrunner. It was like Fear Factory, Machine Head, like these sort of like bands that weren't death metal, but like they were harder than stuff that was on the radio. You know, like yeah. they were pushing into that direction. And I, that was a point where I was buying almost everything on Roadrunner. Like, I was the perfect age. Safe bet. 15 years old. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it wasn't, like, too advanced mm-hmm. for extreme metal, if yeah. you want to call it that. It yeah. was, like, gateway drug type shit. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I was, like, helping you know? some of them. Like, that wasn't even mainstream, but as far as, like, softening the... It felt more mainstream than, like, death metal to us. Yeah. But, It's you know. definitely more digestible than death metal, is for sure. Yeah, but, the, I mean, there's just... there. This is the. It seems like they had something to prove when they wrote this. Is when, or it's either that, or it's one of those records where they've been, you know, make like basically nailing all this material before. Well, they had recorded this demo and redone this demo, so like yeah. it's like when you get to the end of Eternal Nightmare, which we we just you know obviously started with, like you're in their web, like you're on board, like they, you know, if if that song doesn't beat beat you over the head and kind of convince you that this is like. I, it's hard for me to articulate how great that song is. I, I, yeah. I would just put it in the upper upper echelons of of thrash metal ever. It's like Holy Wars. The first time you hear Holy Wars, you're like, yeah. whoa, they just fucking kitchen synced us. Maybe you we know? could say it's one of the best debut thrash records. I like that. Because everybody else kind of eased into it. This is like right off the bat, like, holy shit. I think the only band of this era that does something like this. Exodus. Exodus, Bonded by Blood, and I would say The Legacy from Testament. Yeah, those kind of come hot out the gate, yeah. like fully formed. You know, I mean, kill them all to some extent, but it's still youthful and naive. 
You know, they didn't. It wasn't their sound yet either. That's true. It's still pretty nuabami. Like same mas- with like masters where they show really no mercy. Still themselves. pretty priesty. You know what I mean? Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, this is fully formed. Like right out the gate. Yeah. I mean, this is a six minute song with like six different solos and bass breakdowns and fucking intro and out like. And it, it feels fun too. Oof. Yeah. Like how long for the feels ride, fun. Man. Yeah, yeah. I want to listen to more when I get to this song. Like I would. Well, you know, if they uh, if this shit ever comes back to a point where we can see shows again, it'd be fun to mosh a little bit. Oh, <laughs> fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. And I guess like the big thing, pit. I think the big thing Phil talks about is that, um, you know, they disbanded in 93 and we're not talking about any other record besides Eternal Nightmare because Mark and I both admitted to each other. I, I haven't heard their other stuff. No, I I just kept listening to this. I never won. Yeah, won I know they have other records after this, at least one more. Is it like Oppressing the Masses or something like this, that? Yeah, or? there's a friend of mine that He's in a couple of local bands, and he got the second record, and apparently really likes it. And I, he's got a pretty good taste in music, so I'll, I'll, I'll check, check it out. out. Yeah, yeah, I just, I'm just, I'm just admitting. It's like when we we're gonna do a Whiplash show down the road. There are a ton of Whiplash records. I've only ever heard Power and Pain, and I'm sure the others have decent ratings. I just haven't heard them. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Know if there, I mean, there's so much. Yeah, I didn't. I saw. I remember hearing Whiplash the about them, mm-hmm. and I hated. I thought the cover was stupid, and I never gave them. I sure. mean, there's such. So many things you had to hit right to even get my attention. Yeah, at that that's age. true. You're fickle. So I'm now, fickle. Now fickle. going back, I was like, God, this is great. Yeah, the why did I skip this shit? It sounds fantastic. But I guess what like really helped kind of get violence back in the like the lexicon is they uh, reunited when Chuck Billy put together a called a Thrash of the Titans festival in 01. And um, right. they got a pretty big response from that. And it gave them confidence to like kind of start, you know, putting some live shows together and, and things like that. So. There's a chance, although something recently, and I, I should have looked this up. Um, one of the dudes from this band, it might have been Sean, recently did something like cancel culture like in the last like month or so. I remember like there was like a big fucking deal about it on Twitter. And, you know, Rob's pretty outspoken about stuff. He, he puts his foot in his mouth all the time. He I sure don't does. think it was Phil. But I can't say that with 100% of, uh, certainty. So Mark's kind of looking for that. But that there was something that recently happened. I made a mental note. I was like, oh, shit, we should probably bring that up when we do Eternal Nightmare episode. But well, he, had a, he had stage four liver cirrhosis and survived. Who's that, Sean? Yeah. Oh, no, shit. Well, yeah. yeah. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was something Phil said that was dumb. But, you know, I don't know. I can't remember if it was homophobic or it was just some kind of comment that just didn't. Eh, it was just bad for, for its See, era. any more that. I, I don't jump right to everything is so polarized. Mm-hmm. I like to see where the original shit came from. Sure. Yeah. Before I'm going to jump on anybody. And that's anything. why I didn't bring it up or write it down. But I just remember thinking, oh, that, that might be like I problematic. Because I stupid shit, but I don't do it in a public forum. But if somebody caught me saying, you know, calling something gay because I was talking about how people used to talk in high school. Yeah. And somebody hears that like, oh, you're a homophobe. Like, no, I was just talking about. You were just. What yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. What used to happen 25 years ago. Sure. So. Yeah. Yeah, so I I don't know what if if you find it or not, but so. all that I'm seeing on him is just it's a bunch of like successful liver transplants. Oh, huh, yeah, so maybe it's Phil. It might be Phil Demel then that that did it. So, but you know, other songs that we're gonna kind of get into here in this next set, um, we're gonna we got a trio of tunes um, that we're gonna get into that really get to the heart of like kind of all the different flavors from Eternal Nightmare, and really like the title track is like a preview of all this. Um, one tune serial killer that you just mentioned that to me is the most like anthrax 
overkill nuclear assault song on the record in terms of like hardcore crossover kind of vocals. Um, I hear a lot of destruction riffs though. I don't know if you caught on to some of that. Like there's a lot of Exodus bonded by blood type riffings, but to me, the other band that like they're really tapping into a lot is, um, is some of the German thrash shit. I think the same with, um, with our last show that we did. Oh, dark angel. Dark angel there. That's like the Teutonic tapping into the Teutonic. I think this that whole later era thrash that seems to be like the like speed was a, a yeah. big thing. I'll be curious when we because we are planning to put together like a forbidden show on those first two records, and I haven't dive into those records like recently. Yeah, I haven't either. I'm kind of curious time. if like it it comes back, you know, if like yeah. we hear it in that band too because they were another late comer to the sort of thrash scene or whatever. So, um, but then we got. Did you find something? It's stupid. Violence's Phil Demel accidentally uh, ripped out a stage diver's hair with his guitar. Was that what it was? I mean, that's the only thing I could find huh. so far. So, yeah. yeah, that's not bad. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that's just kind of stupid and funny, I guess. That's just so, yeah. yeah. What happens sometimes? I mean, better that he committed violence on somebody than said something unfortunate, right? Because yeah. you know, saying saying words obviously are worse than like actual physical, physical violence. violence. Yeah, yes, exactly. 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 <laughs> In this day and age, you're serious. Yes. <laughs> so, but uh, phobophobia. Which is the fear of fear. So anxiety. Mm -hmm. And what's cool about this song, and once I realized that, um, a couple of things clicked in. This whole song starts slow and slowly gets faster and faster and more complex as the main character is getting more and more anxious. It's kind of cool. And I don't think that was unintentional. I don't think you call the song phobophobia if you're not trying to like kind of create like a whirling dervish effect oh i'm sure yeah i mean the door you know when the doors do this is uh, you know the end that's one of the coolest parts about that song is how it just like becomes frenetic throughout and it gets like kind of this whirling dervish kind of crazy feel by the end and i'm not saying the song does that but it definitely keeps building and building and building and it's another six minute sort of epic tune i actually think phobophobia has my favorite sean vocals it's like his most diverse vocal performance throughout yeah um you know the main riff catchy one tempo shift after another just a lot of really cool shit happening here and so that we're going to start with phobophobia and then go into serial killer and then we'll end this set with tds and i don't know like take it as you will take it as you will yeah uh and to me i'm kind of curious if you pick up on this we noticed in the dark angel show that there was a lot of proto death metal riffing Mm -hmm. this song to me is death metal Without the vocals and without some of the, like the death metal drumming, so uh, we'll play it when we go to the sets, just okay. so you can kind of hear it. But it was something that sort of jumped out to me. A um, lot of great Exodus chant vocals here. I mean, I don't know. What do you say about violence? They're just they're great. They're this re- if great. you don't own this record, you should definitely yeah, buy you, the record. What are you doing? Yeah, exactly. Or so stream it on whatever service. And- this trio of songs should be the the if if this doesn't seal the deal, you're just never going to be a violence fan. Yeah. I think. But I, what I would say is that, you know, Sean gives people trouble at first, but just try and look for how he is unique and kind of like he f- he doesn't get in the way of the music. No, not at all. He kind of floats on top of the music and he's not like and, and that's an interesting, you know, he's like kind of sing songing or chanting or hardcore vocaling like on top of all this really well played, intricate, like, yeah well-composed music 
Well, and not not always doing the obvious choices, which I like. Even if that's like from naivete or or whatever, it's it's cool. I I don't care what the why why it is. I'm just glad it is. And that's like what I think I hear in phobophobia is he's yeah. doing like a lot of unconventional kind of vocal choices that I think are pretty yeah. cool. So, so let's if get it was in- anything like um oh fuck I can't think of his goddamn name from Exodus. Uh, oh Balaf. Yeah, like he was not a great singer, but mm-hmm. he was a great frontman, and he knew how to like work the crowd, and he was like fun. Sure, it works. Like you just, can feel the fun through his his voice. I was uh, just reading an interview the other day with uh, Gary Holt, and he, he was kind of reflecting on um, Paul Baloff and saying like he, how much he loved him, but he, like when they went into the recording studio, like. <laughs> he couldn't hit the things like they said to do take after take. It's after like he going in to record for NWA. Yeah. <laughs> and they asked him, they said, if, if Baloff had lived long enough to be on Temple of the Damned, what do you think about that record? And his comment was, we'd still be in the studio trying to record it. And he meant it like endearingly, like out of mm-hmm. love for his, his old friend. But he was like, in all honesty, like it really hindered the band. That's why we had to go with Steve Souza yeah. eventually because it just we couldn't move forward. It was really yeah. cool that I got to see them at uh, 97. Yeah, at Metal Fest. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was, was cool. That was something, it's a bummer. That was something I didn't appreciate. Because sure. I was I was just graduated high school. And I, I don't think I, I barely knew, did. I kind of. It was like fresh in my mind. Yeah. Because so. I mean, it was like one of the live record and stuff too. Who else did we see there? Slayer? I, no, Slayer was the year before. The year before. Okay. Um, Venom. Yes. I did appreciate Venom. I knew what a big deal that kind of was. Original lineup. Yeah. That's never happened again and that we got to eat birthday cake with them and well, that was danny felt yeah but venom was backstage was with, chronos there yeah we took that that fun chronos picture dan lochner was back there tack green was back there i don't know how long they stayed i think they they floated through because we i got some photos of us where we were back by the dudes from napalm too yeah but yeah. there's like pictures of like me and chronos like with arms around each other yeah, and you took a on photo. facebook or something yeah i think Still got the negatives, and I think those guys knew each other because um, Kronos had just been on um, not Cruelty and the Beast, the Dusk and Her Embrace. Remember, he does Haunted Shores. Oh shit! He comes in with that. those vocals at the end. He's like, "I am the," you know, like really <laughs> kind of cool thing there. But yeah, so yeah. I wish I had appreciated Exodus more when we saw him there. But they're still good now. Yeah, I, we saw so, him with uh, Motor. No, Anthrax. Who'd we see him with? Like. Couple years ago, King Diamond was it Diamond? Yeah, it yep. was when they played Abigail. Yep, yep. Gary yeah. Hill wasn't there though. That's true. He's slain. But Sousa was there. Oh yeah, it was, so it was that was the Sousa. first time I got to see Sousa. So yeah. that's interesting. Pretty interesting. So, so here we go. We got a trio of tunes here from Eternal Nightmare. We got Phobophobia, Serial Killer, Mark's favorite. And it's it's gonna get caught in your head. And uh, take it as you will, the drug song or TDS. <laughs>
That was TDS, Serial Killer, and Phobophobia. Did you think that was a a death metal riff? Kind of what I was talking about there with TDS? Yeah, I can see that for sure. Kind of proto-death. It just just had this like razor-sharp kind of thing going for it that was a little more sinister than your average kind of thrash riff. Just kind of in the opening salvo there. I was just trying to think of a band. I can't picture like who it, who it is exactly it's like very I, reminiscent i couldn't connect it but i it just I, I felt like that so if you guys in the audience kind of know what the what what i'm hearing there let me know because mark and i are old and we forget things now and yeah it's kind of the or way just, it goes you only listen to so much stuff at a time yeah you can retain i'm i'm almost at, like, at maximum brain capacity lately with um, oh, I bet. teaching virtual basically i have to do like virtual kids and in class and then like coaching I've talked about this on one of the Patreon shows. Like it used to be, I coach middle school and high school cross country. And it used to be, we ran meets on the same days at the same places. And now it's two separate days, two separate places. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to twice as many meets during the week. Oof. Then I'm doing twice as much teaching stuff. Cause I'm like having to make sure like everything is like lesson plan and ready for like the virtual kids and all the resources are there for them. Yeah. And that it's, yeah, it's just, my brain's just at that like, that that point where I'm like, you let you're redoing what you've been doing like consistently for years now. So it's like, yeah, I was gonna say like I you know it's this, like a new job this is year almost. eighteen, so it's like oh okay, I gotta rethink everything I do. And, yeah, you know we're doing hundred minute lessons as blocks now, basically instead of like fifty minute lessons. So it's like okay, it's fine. I mean it's like two lessons a day is how I kind of think about it in my brain, but yeah. it's still like there's still physical bodies in your room, so you have to like give them a break mentally or, you know, plan mm-hmm. things. See, kids can't sit for a hundred straight minutes and just do shit. Or no, no, that talk. I mean, I could barely do that now. Yeah. Unless, you know, I'm watching the dead Kennedys documentary on YouTube or something. But something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something that's really, that really, truly night. engaging. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Um, yeah. So, you know, those are, those are kind of, you know, for, for people that know that I'm a teacher, it's, it's just been an interesting ride, you know? So, which is why I've been probably quiet on, on the history of heavy metal countdown and, and some other things, which hopefully by the time this episode hits, uh, I, you know, cross country will be kind of in the horizon, uh, or behind me. Horizon, I don't even know what I'm it saying. Be in the horizon, depending yeah. Where you're standing. yeah, no. Yeah. In, in my, uh, in my rear view mirror is what I kind of meant to say. So one of the things that I thought would be kind of cool is um, Martin Popoff put out these the trio of books on thrash. And um, we talked a lot about uh, some of the stuff from the first book when we did the proto metal countdown, because there was a lot of stuff for 81 and 82, uh, a couple of years we, we covered near the end of that countdown. But in the two, uh, there's the golden era of thrash, which is the second book. And then there's thrash's Titanic clash, which is kind of like the, the late eighties, early nineties kind of stuff. But as I was kind of leafing through it, looking for material for all these kind of thrash extravaganza episodes that were putting together, I did come across moments where they they sort of paint a broad brush and talk about kind of like a, a thrash e topic that was kind of impactful for a lot of things. And so I thought this was kind of cool because they get into like lyrics a little bit and some of the topics that were kind of covered. And, you know, I mean, Serial Killer, the drug song, Phobophobia. Kill on Command, which we're going to sort of end with, is about a like a hitman and, and things like that. That's the most Exodus sounding song. That is <laughs> that is definitely Exodusy. But the, and speaking of Exodus, they get a quote from Gary Holt, and they're talking about thrash lyrics a little bit, and kind of uh, you know, especially Reagan, because Reagan drove a lot of like the American hardcore scene and, and things like that in terms of reaction to that. As Thatcher did new album. Yeah, punk. exactly. And so Gary Holt says, I don't know. It seems thrash metal thrives during Republican administrations. I don't know why. It says, 
Zuntite. <laughs> Two-fifths of this band are diehard conservatives, and me, I'm kind of an extremist liberal. I don't know. I think it's probably more coincidence than anything, just the time the music was already coming out. I don't want to give Reagan credit for anything other than bad movies. Just lyrically sometimes with stuff like Chemical and other pro-environment, anti-toxic, polluting songs. Musically, it was always about the riff. Politics never came into the picture musically. It's always been a riff-based form genre. It wasn't built on three chords and a chorus. It was built on a thousand riffs played as aggressively as possible. It's a good way to put it. Yeah, and speaking of a thousand riffs, you know, we just got Do done you know listening. This interview was? Uh, no, I don't. Because uh, it's really, it's really nice to hear that there's people that have differing political views in the same band and they don't kill each other. That's true. Yeah, this is <laughs> this is definitely pre-social media. I'm guessing when this yeah. book was sort of put together. Yeah, that, that used to be a thing. Yeah. And then Slagle talks about thrash lyrics a little bit, too. And he says, definitely there's a lot of political stuff. I think there was another reason why that music was so successful back then, because there was a lot of angst and political unrest. So that stuff definitely crept in a lot. And horror and fantasy were a big driving force. Slayer, for example, all those horror and satanic and fantasy lyrics that were all borrowed from the traditional metal of the 70s, like pre-Sabbath, then Maiden in the early 80s. There was definitely a punk influence there too, so you had, uh, so you had some of that real political social commentary stuff in the lyrics. It was uh, one or the other. You pretty much had Exodus bonded by blood, violent, graphic, horror, fantasy lyrics, or you had the political lyrics. But it was always saying something interesting. It wasn't just throwing something out there to throw out there. A lot of people had really interesting takes on things, and these bands get as these bands get bigger, they see the world and have these other influences under a different mindset economically. You're going to look at different things and stuff you talk about is going to be more intense. Certainly in the 80s, or as the 80s and the Reagan era wore on with all the problems in the economy, certainly Metallica was one of the big ones with Injustice for All and even Master of Puppets, which is a song about the evil of drugs. It ran the gamut, but was always dark and serious. That was important. The image and the lyrics were always very dark and serious, and the music was serious as well and extreme. You've got an extreme form of music, so you've got to have those extreme lyrics. And, uh, and that's why it makes sense that death metal was about even worse shit. Usually, like political stuff didn't make it because it was too. That stayed, I think, too grindcore. I think that, that just stayed kind of in the grind kind yeah. of capacity. I know? mean, like like death would talk about social issues, but it wasn't. It was about like a snapshot of a horrific thing happening to a person, or it, yeah. it wasn't usually like shitting on the government or something. Yeah, I mean, they talked about, you know, abortion a little bit with, like, altering the future and obviously organized religion and, and some yeah. of those. And, you know, those could be, I guess, seen as kind of quasi-political. It just, they didn't really, religion, you knew where they were coming down on. You yeah. know, they were just kind of talking about, uh, you know, abortion from just, like, a, a different perspective. That was kind of. Abortion when it is needed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Kind of a, an interesting Silicus, thing. yeah. So, you know, I don't know. I know you're you're not a big lyric guy. You're kind of more of a feel guy. I don't know. If well, like- I, I, I like when lyrics um, kind of like reinforce good things I like about stuff. Mm-hmm. When they're not so bad that they stand out, that's good. Um, I, I do care about how lyrics are constructed, not necessarily the subject matter, but like the, the actual English language, like a good you know, turn of a word, a turn of a kind of phrase, the rhythmic, rhythmic phrasing that's, and stuff like really that. That's really hard shit to do. So I, I really respect when people can do that. And the, the weird pseudo rapping, it's like, like Tom or I vocals, like sped up almost. Like yeah. You've, you've done Slayer karaoke. Yeah. That's not some easy shit. It's, it's hard. Speedy, loud, succinct, like HR from 
uh, from bad brains, from bad brains yeah. like can do it. And there's a handful of people that can do it. Yeah. But it's a tough fucking thing. Like Rollins could kind of do it, but this is stiff. His was shit. shouty though. It yeah. It's kind of different. Yeah. And he held it out long. It wasn't, it wasn't yeah. as like, you know, staccato, staccato rapid fire. Yeah. And that's what's always impressed me. Like sometimes with like some of the best, like hip hop MCs that like, that can like have like that fast, like rhythmic flow that like, that like connects, you know? Yeah. Um, and I feel like Sean's got a little flow. I think he does for, for whatever you want to call it. He's definitely got some flow. So, but yeah. Um, any kind of closing thoughts as we sort of wrap up violence and uh, eternal nightmare here in terms of like lasting impacts. Do you, do you hear bands that were kind of inspired by this or even like second or third wave kind of thrash bands, like in the retro wave thing that's going on or the retro thrash thing? Yeah. It's, I don't know if the retro thrash thing really, they seem to always be kind of pulling out of the same pool of ideas. They don't seem as like intricately like the leads and stuff are, it's all like really simplified stuff. Like the way yeah. like Toxic Holocaust or it's not, it's, I think it's people are noir on that lo-fi yeah. uh, side or, or like the more like kids, they grew up, they tried to find out what their bands were. Mm-hmm. So they find these obscure bands on YouTube. Um, you know, old eighties bands that nobody really gave a shit about. And now they have like a, a new life because there's only like a set amount of those bands. Sure. Yeah. I think they're pulling that kind of like the more lo-fi weird shit, but I don't know of anybody that's doing anything that sounds like this. Yeah. Cause it's, it's like, it's, it's pummeling and it's aggressive, but it's incredibly like musical and, te- and like the solos are all very technical and yeah. And and that I don't hear as much with like the retro thrash. Retro thrash seems to be like kind of deconstructed a little bit, you know. I would um, say um, Power Trip is probably the closest. Yeah, thing. that's probably I, that Nightmare Logic record. When I first heard, it, I was like, okay, there's whatever. It's the new flavor of the month. Yeah. And uh, pre the dude passing away, uh, the singer, I was I'd listen to that record pretty regularly. Yeah. And that was like one of those few th- like the first couple of Toxic Holocaust records. And that, more so than, like, Municipal Waste always seemed like a, I don't know, they, they didn't, like, hit the thing that I, they, like, they seem more into, like, um, uh, what's the, oh, god damn, what the fuck is it, Surf Nicaragua. Oh. Uh, what's that band? Sacred Right. Sacred Right, thank you. They seem more, the, like, those kind of, like, bands that I didn't really get into as much, it wasn't, like, my, my vibe as much, I think they're, they're a good band, but. They didn't hit the stuff I really liked. Got it. In thrash, but I think that Nightmare Logic record just—they find the riff. Yeah. And there's barely any leads on it. It's all just like palm muting and people having a fucking good time screaming about politics. Yeah, and killing. And killing. Were, you know, killing yeah. on command. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which we're we're gonna kind of wrap up here with. And kill on command, uh, as you point out, it's it's definitely. Um, I had notes on it. Oh. I said it's it's kind of built off like a, a weird Slayer riff. It's like a Psychopathy yeah, Red. Yeah. I mean, Psychopathy Red is built off of this riff, if yes. we're being honest. But I said this. It reminds me of if Anthrax was writing a Haunting the Chapel riff. That's fair. I don't know what that means, but it made sense when I wrote it. Well, I think they they have more <laughs> it's of It's like a, evil and sinister, but it's still got that fun pop that like Anthrax It's got has. a New York sensibility to it. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a it's a kind of a, a weird hodgepodge. You know, the fact these guys are from California is is strange to me. If you would have, yeah, just like played this and say, where do you think they're from? I would have said New York or Jersey. 
I would have until the solos come in. Then I would have paused that's and said, very holy shit, that's like, that could be Skolnick or that could be, you know, yeah. that could be one of the more, because you didn't hear his, you know, Danny Spitz was not throwing out the most technical solos for, for Anthrax or anything like that. They weren't, I mean, Gustafson were, um, was for Overkill. He had, he definitely yes. had some of that solo work, but. Danny Spitz was more of a like scale guy. Yeah. And he could do it fast, but they weren't like, outside of like Indians, what do you remember for like, and that's not even really a solo. That's more just like kind of a. He's doing like the melody. That's like Ian doing the, yeah, they're yeah. doing like a twin uh, harmony on that. But really, I don't remember a whole lot of Anthrax yeah, like solos. solos. It's like, it's the drum pattern, it's the vocal pattern, it's the, it's the chunk, it's the chug, you know? It's the chug, yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's interesting, you know, because yeah. you think of like Mustaine or you think of those guys in the, and that's like a West Coast thing more than the, like an East Coast thrash thing, you know, but. Yeah, I mean, even going back to punk, it's kind of that. It's, or think of like, Velvet Underground, and then what was going on the West Coast at the same time? It's like okay, Hendrix, next. and yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a little bit more show show offiness versus the sort of stripped down New York kind of that working thing. class versus you know the the other classes. And then you have us in Detroit, which was a merger of both. Yeah, I mean, you had Kramer playing some pretty killer solos, but still stripped down and kind of yeah, the violent. Home of like yeah, of R and B and all this great like garage rock and shit yeah. and Cooper and. Yeah, absolutely. That stuff. So we're going to end with Kill on Command. Um, and so hopefully you enjoyed our, our, our short little venture here into Eternal Nightmare. And we will very, we will, I'll make it a, um, something I need to do that Mark and I will check out the, the follow up to this, oppressing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We need to. It, it's long overdue as much as we love this record. And I looked when at When we get homework, it's always good to yeah. do funny shows. It's good. Um, it has a pretty good radio on Metal Archive. So it's, it's, people seem to dig it. But, um, yeah, let us know what you thought. Uh, check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Twitter. Um, and you can send, shoot us an email with comments. We, we do appreciate feedback. When we do get feedback, we try and read it on the air a little bit. We're going to do that a lot more. So shoot us an email at requiempodcast at gmail.com. You can become a patron. We're going to be doing patron episodes. If you didn't uh, hear the Dark Angel episode, I mentioned that the first kind of bonus thrash episode we'll do for our patrons will be a uh, Flotsam and Jetsam on their first two records. And, um, yeah, you can go to patreon.com, uh, backslash Requiem podcast, or you can link to our Patreon, uh, from our website, which is, uh, requiemmetal.com. And you can find old episodes there. Um, you can find Patreon links there. You can find merch there. If you want to get some Requiem merch, uh, Mark's artwork is linked there. Get um, yourself some grocery bags that I don't know if they let you use those anymore. Do they? I think you can bring your own in. Okay. Yeah. I've seen people. I just I have cats. So I like to get litter bo- litter bags there you go yeah yeah same the same thing i use them for all my trash bags the plastic bags and stuff yeah. like that but uh but yeah so you know reach out to us uh subscribe on apple music or on spotify for now uh, as mark alluded to in the dark yeah Angel let me episode. know if you hear anything weird about those yeah ads. i'll i i'll be I'll, I'll probably hear it first as well because i do listen to some podcasts off of spotify it's yeah. weird i listen to podcasts on like four different platforms i don't know why I, I, like I could listen to them all in one place, but I just choose not to. It's like fun to hit different apps on my phone. I think. I think it depends on the interface too, because like Spotify, there's a couple of things I listen to that it pops up on the homepage. Got it. So I'll keep listening to it there, and other shit I'll have in my iTunes podcast downloader thing. Like yeah, it just depends. Same. And I think it's maybe because if I kept them all in one place, it's like I'd forget about them. But because I have to bounce to different apps, I'm like, oh, 
this is where I listen to a couple of my wrestling ones is over here. Yeah. This is where I listen to like my movie ones is on Spotify. Like I listen to a couple of movie yeah, ones. Yeah, otherwise you just forget. Yeah, because otherwise it's just like a bunch. Like I'm just scrolling through. I'm like, ah, I don't even know where to and start. And my like retention rate on podcasts is not very good either. It's, it's tough. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I've kind of like quit political podcasts just for my own sort of sanity and sensibility. A lot of my teacher friends are like always giving me updates on like here's what the odds are in the election and here's this trend and which is fine if there's anything we should have learned from the last election is that don't listen to polls yeah exactly but it's also fine because that means i don't have to do the heavy lifting you just give me like the summary and then i don't have to like go through the pain of having to listen to like politics the commentators yeah Yeah, exactly that's that's and that's as a history teacher it's rough it's it's painful but for me but i should be listening to stuff more but i have to like keep some mental health and so i'm just Nope, not gonna do it. That's a good, smart way to do it. And there you go. There's our advice for you in a thrash episode. Keep your mental health. Stay away from politics. (laughs) Kill on fucking command. Exactly. So, uh, for Eternal Nightmare Violence, we got uh, Kill on Command. I am Jason, and I'm Mark.